Proverbs chapter 24. Let's get to it. Verse 10. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. I want to speak to you today. We're going to depart from our Ephesians series. Normally on Sunday mornings, we just walk through verse by verse, word by word, through the book of Ephesians. Today, we're going to do a little bit something different because today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. All around the U.S., uh, different groups and churches are emphasizing Sanctity of Life, and it's good to see Mary Frith back today. Let's hear it from Miss Mary. All right. And... Um, and Buford, you've, you've done well too. So, great to see you guys back today. And Proverbs 24, what we're going to talk about is a subject called Who Cares? And it's on, let's um, give it to you guys up front, it's on abortion. Alright, and right out of the gate, there's going to be some objections. Some people say, you shouldn't preach politics in the church. This is not politics. What we're going to talk about. Some people say things like, well, you should never address anything like, like abortion, okay? Well, then the church. The church should be there and then the rest of your life should be here. Well, that, what that's basically saying is that we should live as Christians, but our Christianity shouldn't affect our thinking in any way, right? Isn't that what that's saying? It's also saying something like, well, the Quran influences the Muslims. Atheists are influenced by atheist scholars and atheist writings. Hindus are influenced by Hindu teachings. Hence, they live as Hindus, but Christians should not be influenced by the Bible. And some people with that viewpoint, they kind of look at the Bible like we sometimes look at family movie night. How many of you have seen Toy Story 3? Alright, some of you guys are like ashamed I saw a cartoon movie. When you, when you go watch a movie like that with your kids or with teenagers or students, you know, you watch Toy Story 3 and everybody's amused, right? Because it's, it's a good family film, you know, for the most part, unless your kid thinks that their toys are actually alive and they, you have to do post counseling on that. But for the most part, we go and we're entertained by those movies, but take this scenario. If there's a person who leaves there, let's say a 40-ish grown man, and every time he answers the phone, it's not hello, it's buzz, buzz, light year to the rescue, to infinity and beyond. And that is a repeating pattern throughout his life. You might think, this bro is a freak. Can I get a witness in the house today? Like that's a little bit much that you would be influenced every time he sees a guy with the cowboy boots or a hat. He's like, Woody, wait! You know, and it's just weird. We're like, that would be awkward. That would be crazy and insane to where a cartoon movie influences your world view. But some people think it's crazy that we come to the Scripture and we believe that Christ actually came and He lived and He died. We trust in Him and He changes our heart and our life. But then to say, well, I don't want any of that to affect my life. We all on the same page? I'm not going to preach politics. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Sometimes it's hard to find anybody worth voting for, but that's another story. I got more amens out of that than anything I've ever been here before. My goodness. And to just say, if, if the sermon's kind of dipping, just say politics, you're all like, whoa! But honestly, I just went up front. I gave a presentation like this a couple of years ago in a church. I wasn't even the pastor. And some people left in the middle. So, in case you get offended, um, my, our, our, our objective here this morning is to offend no one. 
We're not trying to be rude. We're not trying to be controversial just for the sake of. But what we want to do is speak the truth. If you want to say amen there, you can. Alright? And the reason why we speak the truth is because we do love women. We love women who are pregnant and are not married. We're not going to kick them to the curb. We love children of all ages. And we love our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. The Bible says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Verse 12. But if you say, Behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? So it's very clear from the Scripture that it's our duty to look for people who need to be delivered and to do whatever we can to save them. Now, I don't know about any of y'all, uh, any Rambo fans. That goes back a few years, all right? Does anybody, well, we're going to do a little, uh, a little walkthrough here. Does anybody want to take a guess at what the total kill count for all of the Rambo movies is? What's the total kill count? Anybody want to put a number on that? Go ahead. I'm sorry? Two or three hundred. Okay, a little bit higher. A couple thousand. All right. Hot shots. Yeah. The total kill count for all the Rambo movies combined is 438 confirmed Rambo kills. Season six. That's a lot of bodies, isn't it? Season 6 of 24 with Jack Bauer. Season 6, which comprises a 24-hour period, the kill count was 49. Anybody know what Chuck Norris's total kill count is? No one can count that high. Alright? So here's just a basic question. What type of people are taken out by Chuck Norris or Rambo, or a Jack Bauer type of character. They're the what? They're the, they're the bad guys. Right? Whether they be enemy soldiers, or whether they be uh, terrorists, whatever they may be, those are the ones who are taken out by these guys. Let's get a bit, little bit more serious history lesson. Pol Pot, Khmer Rouge regime in Cambodia. The kill count is around 2 million people can watch the movie The Killing Fields, where the camera pans and it's literally rice fields. As you walk across, you'll see human skeletons and bones are just mass graveyards of the killings. Adolf Hitler and the Nazi regime in the final solution, as they called it with the Jewish people, around six million or so. Joseph Stalin, the Soviet dictator, while he was king, essentially, of USSR, he killed between 20 and 30 million of his own people. The decision in 1973 of the Supreme Court to legalize abortion, according to uh, a group, and by the way, if you want any of this, we have all of this documented. Uh, we'll be, it'll be up on the website here in a couple of days. You can download the PDF. If you're not an internet person, call our office and we will give you a printout of everything. This is all sourced, but I don't have time to go through the sources. The total count 
as of this year, of the amount of legalized abortions since 1973 is 52,008,665. Just to kind of put a picture on that, let me give you some numbers. Total Virginia population from census.gov in 2009. In the state of Virginia, we have 7,882,590 people in 2009. West Virginia population, 1,819,777 people, census.gov, 2009. You say, Jeff, where would we be without West Virginia? We would be cold. No coal. And also, Mississippi wouldn't have anybody to make fun of. North Carolina, the population, 8,856,505. South Carolina, 4,321,249. Georgia, 9,829,211. Florida, 18 million. That's where all the grandparents go. 537,969. So the total population for Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, the total population is 51,247,301 persons. A little over 51 million if you start from the very top of Virginia and walk all the way to the Florida Keys... The total body count from all of World War II, historians place between around 50 million. So all of the population of these states is basically equal to the number of people killed in World War II. Then you compare the 50 or so million killed in World War II, the over 51 million that we have living in all these states, and the amount of people who have died via legalized abortion in the U.S. is over 52 million. To think of the body count, as we said before, you go all the way from the top of Virginia all the way to the Florida Keys and go many miles on each direction and not see a single, single person. So what we're talking about here is a very, very real issue. Now at this point, I just want to say something. Um, there, usually in any group, there are people who have, um, ladies who have had an abortion, or there have been men who have advocated their girlfriend or wife to have an abortion. That's you. Please don't leave until we get to the end. But what we must do, for, it may be painful, it may be awkward, it may be convicting. We have a special word for you at the end of this message. Give you a quiz. Preacher and his wife are very, very poor. They have 14 kids. Ladies, 14 kids. Ladies, 14 kids. Is that sinking in for you yet? A baker's dozen plus uno. And now she finds out she's pregnant with the 15th child. They're living in tremendous poverty. What would you advocate? If you say get an abortion, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist, would have never been born. Another scenario. Father is sick with sniffles. The mother actually has TB. Of their four children, the first is blind, the second died, the third is deaf, and the fourth also has TB. She finds out she's pregnant again. What would you say? Say so have the abortion, Beethoven would have never been born. Number three. Teenage girl is pregnant. She's not married. 
Her fiancé is not the father of the baby. And he's upset. Would you recommend abortion? If so, Jesus Christ would have never been born. Fourth scenario. Mother is an unwed college student in the hippie movement. Father's a recent immigrant from one of the poorest regions of the world. Would you say that abortion would be the best option? If so, future President of the United States, Barack Obama, would have never been born. When we think about abortion in this light, you can imagine yourself and ask yourself the question, how would I feel if everything in my life was decided for me? Students sometimes say, I don't like it when my parents tell me what kind of clothes to wear. Say, I don't like it when my mom or my dad tells me to eat my vegetables. I'd rather have Coke and popcorn every single meal. But imagine if someone that had not been elected to serve as your juror made not only those decisions for you every day of your life, but they actually made the decision of judge, jury, and executioner whether you would live or die. At this point, usually it comes to a person's mind to say, Jeff, I don't like you preaching on these things. What you're doing is you're preaching politics. I am not preaching politics. And if you have a Christianity that does not influence how you think, you don't have a real Christianity. Rather, it's a compartmentalized thing to where you have all of these different areas of your life and Christ is neither King or Lord of any of them. Your Christianity is a theory only. So if you're serious about Christ, I encourage you, as it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind that is also in Christ Jesus be in you. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him take up his cross and deny himself and follow me. So when we follow Christ, we don't just come to the Bible as something that kind of sits on the nightstand. Have you ever been to someone's house and they've got the, 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 the Bible there, right? Like the Bible that, ne that never gets read, okay? But it's just kind of like, I'm going to have my Bible there and kind of in, a, uh, in an Indiana Jones-esque type of way, the power kind of comes out from the Bible and we just kind of get close to it because I, I sleep with my Bible or because I own multiple Bibles, therefore I'm good with God. It does not work that way. The question is, is the message, is the God of the Bible in your heart, not is the Bible in your home? Y'all okay? Alright, something we just got to get out and be honest and be real with, because all throughout the world today, I, I mean, this, this, is, this is heavy, isn't it? Isn't this heavy? Yeah. Question. What point does life begin? This is the question, because if life begins after birth, then abortion is not a problem. So here's what science has found. Here's what happens. The male sperm and the female ovum combine and fertilization comes about. What is produced as a result of that is called a zygote. Z-Y-G-O-T-E. And what that is, is the ovum, the, the, the female aspect and the male aspect cease to exist as independent entities. They are no more. They combine into something that has its own genetic code. Isn't that amazing? And what happens from that point is they dynamically interact. It now has 46 chromosomes, neither the fathers or the mothers, and it also has its own genetic code. So then the zygote forms into an embryo. 
You guys remember several years ago about the embryonic stem cell research? Well, what happens? I'm going to give you some kind of walk through this. This is what actually happens from the point of fertilization. Some people say conception. Better term would be fertilization. So this little zygote, this little, this little thing, and it's got human DNA. That means it's got, from the get-go, like right out of the gate, it's got every bit of genetic information, such as what color of eyes person will have, what their hair will be like, how long for a man their hair actually stays there, alright? Your height, your build, your metabolism, everything. So this is what happens in the first week. The gender is determined and the genetic traits are determined. In the third week of the first month, the heart between 18 and 25 days begins to develop. And the brain also begins to develop in the third week. Although I've known parents of middle schoolers and they say I'm not sure if the brain has developed since middle school. Also, in the fourth and the fifth week, the vertebrae begins to develop and blood flow begins. Isn't that amazing? In the first month, this little, this little organism, this little, we'll talk about the fetus slash unborn infant distinction in just a moment, but this piece of life now has blood flow and then the eyes begin to develop. Wow. Tiny. And in the sixth week, the fingers and the toes begin to appear. The nose and the ears develop. And then in the seventh week, the eyelids form. And the weeks after that, the muscle contraction occurs. Facial features become prominent. The heart now has four chambers. In the second and the third month, it's about three inches long. And during that time, uh, the genitals are also well developed. You can tell if it's a boy or a girl. The third and the fourth month, hair begins to develop, begins to move. The lungs begin to develop. If female, this is an amazing thing, in the 13th through the 16th week of pregnancy, if female, the ovaries already contain about 2 million eggs. And the, it can actually suck its thumb at this point. The 17th through the 20th weeks, four and five months, normally if, if there are no problems, it's about eight inches long. The eyebrows form. There are now nails on the fingers and on the toes. The circulatory system is kicking. It's working. And they can actually swallow. 21st through the 24th week, the fingerprints form, and it can actually react to sounds outside the womb. Amazing. And then in the seventh and the eighth months, the bones are fully developed. It could be around 16 inches long or so. And then in the final two months, the eighth and the ninth month, it's ready to be born and you can actually observe its sleeping patterns. That's amazing, isn't it? Supreme Court passed the law. There was no ultrasound, was there? Some of you had your big, old, your big hair, you know, rocking out to the 70s music. Alright? You've got those pictures hidden in a shoebox in your closet just hoping your children will not find them. If they do, they go on Facebook. <laughs> but during, I mean, in 1973, we, we, we didn't know, like, we, could, we, couldn't, we couldn't really see this stuff unless there was some type of, of a complication. Then when maybe there's a, an un, unintended miscarriage, the, the, the baby comes out and they say, oh, now we know what, what it looks like. But... At this point, somebody will see now, Jeff, we know that it has human DNA. 
alright? From the point of fertilization. But is it actually a person? Here's the question. It's a guy named Michael Tooley. He's an atheist. He says that personhood does not begin until two years old. Peter Singer of Princeton holds to the same position. So here is the outworking of their ethics. If you have a child, and between birth and around two years old, which they say self-awareness and consciousness comes, so they say, you can actually, if a law were in place, which they wish it were, you could actually just, you could kill your kid. And because in their view, the child does not have consciousness, it is not a person. That's a very slippery view, isn't it? Imagine your dad, or you, or your wife, driving home from work. They are hit by a drunk driver. Their brain is damaged. They lose consciousness. Do they cease to be a person? If consciousness equals personhood? No. I just submit to you guys, it's so amazing. We're going to read a couple verses here in a minute. That even thousands of years ago, the Bible teaches that it is God who knits people together in their mother's womb. It's an amazing thing. And we didn't really know to what degree that was true until we got things like ultrasound. Now somebody may ask, now Jeff, how does, how does capital punishment differ from abortion? Because I know some of you church people, you guys are all about pro-life, and then you're at the same time you're like death penalty. Well, let me say first off, just to be against abortion does not mean you have to be for the death penalty. One does not equal the other. But just a very helpful distinction, the death penalty under the law, and we know, is the U.S. civil law a little bit jacked up? Maybe a little bit. Alright? Just a bit. No sarcasm in there at all. But within the code of the law, capital punishment is reserved for those who commit crimes like, like murder. Okay? Whereas abortion um, would be the execution of an unborn child. So they, they don't relate at all. People say, now Jeff, I've heard people talk about the fetus, right? The fetus. It's not an unborn child, it's a fetus. What in the world is a fetus? Well, actually, you can go look this up in any dictionary. Let me actually read to you from the dictionary what the word fetus is. It's from the Latin, and it means an unborn or unhatched vertebrae, especially after attaining the basic structural plan of its kind. Specifically, uh, a developing human. So here, here's how it goes. Instead of saying unborn child, which what, what pictures does that bring to our, our minds? A person, right? Like Bob or Sandy or Sue or Jeff or Fred. It's a person. But if you say fetus, what they're saying is they're literally saying unborn infant, but they're saying it in Latin. So they're saying the same thing, but when we say fetus, it just sounds so much... Doesn't it? It just sounds so much less human. So when someone says fetus, ask them, what does a fetus, what is a fetus? And if they're actually read up, they'll say it's actually an unborn human infant. That's what it is. But that's what sometimes happens in the debate. And if we don't, if we can't catch these terms, we'll be thinking that the fetus is not actually human. And it is. At this point, someone will also say, now Jeff, how can you tell a woman what to do with her own body? There's a key distinction. The unborn infant has its own set of fingerprints, has its own heart, 
heartbeat, has its own brain wave, and is amazing, has its own set of DNA. So it's not just another part of the woman's body. Yes, it relies upon the mother to live. But it's not just a vestigial organ, like if you go get your tonsils taken out. So what does God's Word say about unborn infants? In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God said to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. In Job chapter 10, verse 12, or 11 and 12, He says to God, God, you clothed me with skin and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. Sinews is the old school word for muscles. So next time, ladies, you want to impress your man, say, honey, you are looking very sinewy. Sinewy. Sinewy-esque. Verse 12. You have granted me life and steadfast love, and your cares preserve my spirit. I love this verse, Psalm 127.3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. Let me just say something. There are often pregnancies that people wish they did not happen. But please, we will help as a church financially. We will get you help. But please do not go down the road of punishing the child. So Jeff, what does science say? We've been over that. Science says that it is an independent type of life. Also there in your notes, we also see that the Bible teaches that human life is valuable at all stages. If you are over a hundred years old, I'm telling you today that God says that you are valuable. If you don't even really know what's going on in the nursery, you're hearing this, you are valuable for the Lord. So Job chapter 31 verse 15 says, Did not He who made me in the womb make Him? And did not one fashion us in His womb? Wow! It says that in the womb, God is in the baby-creating act. So even for... This is a great word. If you know someone and they're not married and they get pregnant outside of marriage, you can tell them that the Bible says, even though God does not approve of sex outside of marriage, that children are always a gift from God. Always. Then someone says, now Jeff, what about cases of rape or incest? It's an article in the New York Times... And if you go to that website, you can download this. That between 0.6 and 1.5% of all unwanted pregnancies are due to rape or incest. So this is what's called in the abortion debate a paper tiger. You know what a paper tiger is? On paper, that baby looks mean. It looks intense. It looks like it is a defeating argument. But in reality, the case is very small. And then someone uses the acorn in a tree objection. They'll say something to the effect of, well, you know, an acorn is not an oak tree. Are they right? Because a zygote, an embryo, a fetus, an unborn infant, is not yet an adult, therefore it's not an adult. Well, does adulthood equal personhood? What is an acorn at its very core? What kind of DNA does it have? Oak. What does an unborn infant have as its DNA? Human DNA. And if we go down the road to say that human personhood, being fully human, is development, then what we have to say is those older people who begin to lose um, their, their faculties, they can't remember things as well as they used 
to are able to, they lose their physical ability. We've got to say that they are losing their personhood. And if they get to a certain point, then they are not persons anymore. And you can actually do what Adolf Hitler did is say for uh, those in that situation, it's okay to go ahead and end their life in voluntary euthanasia. So what actually goes on in an abortion? Let me just walk you through a couple of things of how these actually happen. Number one, it's called dilation and curatage. The woman's cervix is enlarged, and there's a sharp instrument called a curate, and it is inserted in the baby's uh, um, unborn infant. If you still want to hold on the word fetus, it is cut uh, to pieces and then later delivered. There's also a dilation and extraction, also called DNX, to where... um, also known somewhat as partial birth, birth abortions, where every part of the unborn baby is delivered except for the head. And uh, an instrument is inserted into the back of the skull and um, then, then a vacuum is, is inserted and, and the brains are forcibly pulled out. Number three, there's dilation and evacuation. There's a plier-like instrument that goes in and um, whatever part of... The unborn child comes in contact, it is, it is forcibly pulled out, um, and often it, it from what I'm, I've read, it's um, not always in one, in one piece. Uh, number four, there's suction. Uh, the suction has, uh, according to research, 28 times more power than a vacuum cleaner, and the child is either sucked out as a hole into a jar or in different pieces. There's also... Uh, it's known as RU486. This is taken shortly after conception to where it stops the absorption of something called progesterone. And it's a hormone that's necessary for sustaining the pregnancy. So basically what happens is it causes the uterus to contract and it simply ejects um, the unborn baby and it's allowed to die. Number six, uh, there is something called pregnancy reduction. Uh, in the case of twins or triplets, uh, the parents with the abortionist can choose uh, which of those they would like to live. And um, the way that is done is an instrument is inserted and poison literally is is injected into the uh, chest cavity of the unborn child and it it dies. Also number seven, uh, it's saline injection. This is where a saline solution is injected into the womb and um, death normally takes about one hour. And you can do a Google search on this. Um, I'm not sure, even if we had the, the setup to do this, I'm not sure I would show you the pictures, but it's, it's common knowledge, and w- what you have is uh, literally the, the outer layer of the skin. But I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to peel with emotion. I'm trying to let, you, let us know what actually goes on. Let me just stop here for just a second. None of us have ever seen a live abortion on national television, have we? Do you know why that won't happen? Because there would literally be a revolution. Okay? They will not show it can watch things like Saw 4 and any horror slitter movie, but it will not show live abortion. This is why. So the outer layer of the skin is eaten off, and normally, as, as we said, it takes about one hour to die, which has got to be excruciating. And there's also the hysterectomy versus the hysterotomy. One is used to save the life of the mother and the child at one. The child is simply delivered um, and is left to die. There's also prostaglandin. It's a drug that can be taken any time uh, in the pregnancy that induces labor, and often this is combined with the saline solution that is a forcible type of birth, and at the same time in the birth, the child is killed on the way out with the saline solution. 
As we looked at it, and this is not something out of a preacher's journal, 5,000 effective illustrations for Christian service. This is up-to-date medical knowledge. By the second month of pregnancy, both the heartbeat and the brain waves are both present. By the second month. So how does God view abortion? I'm going to let you guys go do your research on the verses that we've provided later on. Dante said this, The hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in a period of moral crisis maintain their neutrality. So Jeff, why do most abortions take place? Well, they take place for convenience sake, don't they? For reasons such as we're not ready to provide financially for this child. If you know someone, tell them the young lady can learn about what it means even if it's a case of incest. Please, I hope that this is coming for I hope that this is not academic. What about the one who's raped as a result of incest? She becomes pregnant. She is carrying a child that is not... She didn't do anything to deserve what happened to her. You can't encourage the person to say during these nine months you can learn more about suffering and what it means, what Jesus went through because He suffered unjustly. Remember that? Did Jesus deserve any of what happened to Him? No, He didn't. I've got one of my friends and I actually talked to him this past week. He's going to help us with some, some technical stuff here. and he, uh, He's married and they recently had a baby girl. I don't say Tim Flowers is like a brother. He is my brother. He's just a brother from another mother. But Tim's actually going to have a heart surgery this summer because he's adopted and his birth mother was abusing drugs and alcohol the whole time. He had a heart issue. He's an incredible musician. I hope that we can have him here sometime. He leaves worship for a large church in Alabama now. As I've seen Tim play as I've seen him communicate God's Word, as he's ministered to me in my life, you think of that person, that they're not necessarily related to you by blood, but they're just, you know, like this, like they're right there, they're your friend. And I say, I praise God that even though, and he's never met his biological mom or dad, I praise God for whatever reason, Tim's mom said, I will take you. Even the mistakes, and it's crazy, even the mistakes of, of being on drugs and alcohol when you're pregnant to the point that he's going to have to have another heart issue, another heart surgery. I praise God that she brought it to term. Amen? Because there's young people all over the Southeast who know Tim and know his band and he has led students to the Lord and he's involved in ministry every week. So where does that leave us today? You say, Jeff... I'm here, I've had an abortion, or I have counseled my wife or girlfriend to get one. Where does that leave me? I feel like a, I can't even say the word. After going through all this, I just feel like there is no hope for me. Listen, if Jesus was on the cross and he looked over and he saw a man who had lived a life of action. This guy, it wasn't a one-time thing. This man had actually made a life of robbing, stealing, and killing people. And this guy, as rotten as they come, he looked over and he said, Jesus, will you remember me? And Jesus said, surely you will be today with me in paradise. Hear the word I used? 
as rotten as they come? If you're here and you have never advocated anyone to have an abortion, but you also have never had an abortion, ladies, you may consider yourself pro-life, but you have never invested time and money into helping unwed mothers, you are worse. Because what you're saying is, and I'm not cussing when I say this, you can go to hell. That's what's coming from the church. It's kind of tight in here, isn't it? If we truly, I'm just trying to be real, if we truly believe that this is an issue, if we truly believe that these are children, then praise God, let the love of Christ that has changed our hearts. And look at us. Don't look at the abortionist or look at the unwed mother or the person who has never been married, person who's engaged in immorality. Don't look at them, but say, oh God, how could you ever have mercy on me? Remember the guy in the, in the Bible when he, he went to church and he was looking around and looked at the guy who stole from people the tax sheet. He said, oh God, thank you that I'm not like that guy. Jesus is watching. You see the tax guy and he goes in and he just begins to get down and he begins to just beat his chest. He'd be in chest, in church. He, he's literally beating his own chest. Thank God that you be merciful to me because I am a sinner. And Jesus said that guy went away justified and the guy who looked down at everybody else and said, God, thank you that I'm not like them. He was the one who went away still guilty before God. So whether you've had an abortion or you're involved, praise God, in the pro-life movement, let us all come equally to the cross and say, God, if it's not for you, if it was not for Jesus dying for my sin, for my life, for my pride, and my arrogance, and my all the things that are done, I would have no And because of the gospel, you can have a Christian. You can have a Christian. You can have a Christian. You can have a could it be that one day when we're in heaven we have an article linked on our website say Jeff what about all these children 52 million or more where are they I believe with all my heart that the Bible teaches that they are with the Lord but could it be that from today God has changed your heart and you get involved. You find an unwed mother. She could be white or black. It does not matter what color. And we're just, 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 just saying. You invest in her. She gives birth. Her son or daughter, God uses in a radical way, in a radical story. And many people will be in heaven one day that would otherwise be in hell. Because you did something with the message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. It's a, it's a difficult word. It's a serious word. Lord, I'm asking you that you would break my heart over this issue. She would forgive us for being guilty of, of just, just flipping through the news. And we become hard I become hard hearted, God. I think that we as a nation, as we talk about this today, who cares? Lord, I pray that from today that I would begin in the way that you would have me to care. That we as a church would begin to care. That we would answer 
the question of the message, who cares? We do, because you care for us. Lord, in this invitation time, if there's people who need to just come pray for unwed mothers and children, I don't even know, Father, would you just give them the freedom to do that? We pray, God, that you would. That you would help us to know how to reach out. For whatever decision, if someone needs to get saved here, Father, we pray that you'd save them.